All right, we've been studying James. And last week, we started the book of James. Let me give you a quick rundown of what's happening in the book of James. James has written one of the very first New Testament books that's written. This early Jewish church in Jerusalem has suffered persecution, and they are scattering all over the place. And their pastor, James, wants to write them a letter to make sure that they're doing all right and to give this really new religion, these people who are new to following Jesus. He wants to give them instructions about how to follow Jesus in a hostile environment, in a place, in a time when they've lost almost everything. That's what he's doing. And right out of the gate, last week, we saw that James started by saying, listen, you're suffering. You've, you've had to move. You've had to run. Some of you may have lost loved ones. You've lost jobs. You're probably on the edge of poverty. You are not favored by those around you right now. And I want to make sure that I frame your suffering with God and the gospel in mind. That's what, that's what this pastor wants to do. He doesn't want to just give them a hug. He wants to frame what's happening to them from the perspective of a God that's strong and big and in control and a God that's, that's not out of control in these things. These things happen to us and he's still in control and he's loving and he's merciful and he's gracious and he's patient. He, he wants to frame their suffering with who God is and what he's like. So that's how he started last week. So let's see how he continues this discussion on suffering. We're gonna read last week's and jump into this week's verses. Would you read with me James chapter one? We'll start in verse two. He says this, count it all joy, or count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing or the trying of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then he continues our verses for this week. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, in all his ways. Listen, so James is continuing, I believe, this topic of, of suffering. And at the very beginning, he said, count it all joy because you know that God is doing a work in you. That suffering, all sorts of suffering, the suffering of everyday life, the suffering of tragedy that comes your way, the suffering of loss, the suffering of even the good things that you have. That's right, even good things like children and jobs that God's provided for you are really great, but they also bring suffering Sorry, kids, to tell you that, but you wake us up in the middle of the night, you get sick, you cost money, we love you, but we're telling you even the good things have suffering. And then all the tragedies of life bring suffering with them, and God is in the process. He's in process of working on you and I through every bit of suffering. He is hammering, and he is molding, and he's purifying, and he's, he's breaking us down and building us back up to be a beautiful and and this a masterpiece that he is shaping for his glory and for his namesake. And it hurts and it's hard, but he is producing steadfastness in us or endurance. And James tells his people, his, his church, let that endurance, let that work go all the way to the end so that God can create maturity in you. You can thwart that project that God is doing by not dealing with it right. You can get endurance, but you can miss maturity. And that's if we suffer in the wrong way. And we looked at that last week. 
that what God would do is he would make us mature, lacking nothing, as he said in verse four. In the very beginning of verse five, he takes his turn. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he, he right out of the gate, he says, listen, what some of you might be lacking, he says it really gently, is you might be lacking wisdom. If you need wisdom, you need to ask God. And take a moment right there. At face value, that sounds really easy, that we would say, man, that's simple. Yeah, I need wisdom. God will give me wisdom. All of us feel great with that in suffering. But, but here's the point that I think James is telling us right out of the gate that is really subtle. The thing he's doing out of the gate is he's not just saying, if you lack wisdom. I believe he's saying, you actually lack wisdom. You, you don't have the wisdom that you need all by yourself to deal with the suffering and the trials that are coming your way. He's not just saying, if you lack wisdom, he's gently implying that you actually need this. I mean, think about how arrogant it would be to sit there and go, if James is saying, if you lack wisdom, you're like, you know what, I'm good. I can skip the next three verses. Wouldn't that be pretty arrogant to you? Okay, we're not gonna nod. That was a question. I'm gonna try the question again. Uh, would that be arrogant to you if, you if your pastor, like if you need wisdom, let's ask God, and like, you know what, I'm good. Let's move on to the next thing. I don't need wisdom. Would that be arrogant to you? Good job responding. It was timid. It was timid. We're going to get there where you're like, yes, that would, I, I probably tricked you by throwing the question in when I was just talking like that. But, but listen, here's what he's telling us. He is saying to his suffering people, you lack something. You, you're deficient in wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but I think most of us, if you're like me, are probably pretty independent people. Most of us, if you're like me, you want to solve your own problems and you don't like hearing that you're lacking or you're deficient in something like wisdom. That, that doesn't feel like good news to me. And here's the very first thing that I want every single person here to understand. The very first statement in verse five is James confronting his people about, he's confronting their pride. If you want God's help, the very first thing you have to do is humble yourself and acknowledge that you actually need the help that he's offering. The, the first step in suffering, the, the very first thing is to be able to count it all joy is to humble yourself, deal with your pride, and acknowledge your lacking wisdom. You're saying to God, I'm not wise enough to handle the situation. I'm not wise enough to make the right decisions. I'm not wise enough to avoid sin in the middle of suffering. There's a humility to ask God for help, and that humility is essential to, in, to getting God's help in your trial. Do you see that humility there? You've got to come to God and say, I, I need help, God. I'm not wise enough for this. Now, now, I hope you hear that, and I hope that it strikes some. You will talk about more of that next week in the next passage, but here's what else I want you to see. Here's the question that pops up in my head. Okay, I, I'm okay asking God for help. That makes sense to me. I'm, it makes sense to me to sit there and say, listen, when the, when the tragedy is hitting, and I can imagine this for the people of the first century, they're scattered because of persecution, and I can imagine them saying, God, I need your help. I need your help to provide for me. I need you to help protect my family. I need help for energy. I need help. I need you to help me. That makes sense. But the fact that the first thing James says that we need is wisdom, that makes me scratch my head a little bit. Now, you, maybe I'm thinking too deeply, like, bro, you need to chill out. Your brain goes to very weird places. Like, let me say what I mean. Like, it makes sense to me to say, God, I need strength. 
It makes sense to me to say, God, I need patience. It, it makes sense to me to say, God, I just, I need you to provide the money for it. I need you to provide the energy for it. I need you to heal this person. I need this person to get better. I need my kids to not be sick. I just want my kids to not wake me up in the middle of the night. God, help my kids sleep. God, help me sleep. I, it makes sense to me to say, God, I need help. But James hones in on wisdom. And I'm asking you the question, why wisdom? Let me say that. Why does he say you need to ask God for wisdom? And I'm going to unpack what, where my brain goes so you can just see how crazy I get. Um, in my head, here's what's going on. And maybe you think like this, maybe you don't. But you're saying, man, uh, I can get wisdom from trials, and I don't need Jesus to help me with that. Right? Like, if you think about this, there's tons of people, thousands, maybe even millions of people who have suffered unbelievable tragedy over and over and over again, and they couldn't care less about God. They don't need him. They don't want him. They're not seeking him. And they endure all this suffering, and they get through it with their own strength, and they have a form of wisdom. They have a savviness and a cunning and an experience that says, I know how to get through tough things. Right? I know how to do this. And it gives them a form of wisdom. So why do I need a wisdom that comes from God and not just a wisdom that comes from suffering? Are you guys tracking with me? Do you see what I'm saying there? Like when I think about that, I think about all the, all the people. Here's an example I would give. There are thousands, not thousands, hundreds of thousands of men and women who have gone to war and served in the military and suffered brutally tragic things. They've suffered for our sake in this country and for our freedom. They've suffered brutal things and they've endured it. And many of them, many of them have no faith in God. They may have faith in that moment on the battlefield as bullets are whizzing by their head. But when they get home, they don't really care about God. They didn't care about him before and they don't really care about them after. And there's a wisdom that they get through that suffering and trial. And they get an understanding of the brutality of people and how to survive and, and different things like that. There's a grit that they get. But all of that is, is independent of God and his gospel. And James is not calling us for that type of wisdom. There are different types of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from God, and there's a wisdom that comes from the world around me. And he's calling us to a different type of wisdom. If you want to study that, you can look ahead in James chapter 3. But I want you to understand what James means and what the Bible means when it says wisdom. Because it's not craftiness. It's not just this wisdom of business experience or living life experience. Wisdom is much deeper than craftiness and experience according to the Bible. So I'm going to take a moment and I want to show you what the Bible says about wisdom. The question I'm asking is, what is biblical wisdom? What is the wisdom that I need, and how does that help me in trials? So the first place we're going to look at is Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. You want to flip in your Bibles over there? There's no better place to start in the Bible. The book of Proverbs, it's about wisdom. That's the whole theme of the book. Most of it was written by Solomon, according to the Bible, the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, Verse 10, I want you to see what the Bible says about wisdom here. We're going to look at a little bit of these verses, but I'm going to show you a few. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Y'all see that there? The beginning, the start, the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Knowing God, that gives you insight. 
But you want to get the foundation of wisdom, the very start of what the Bible calls real biblical wisdom, the very start of it is the fear of God. It's a weird place to start. Why would he say the fear of God? So he's saying, for me to be scared to death of God is how I start getting wise. He's saying more than that. There, there, is, an, there is a fear when it comes to God, but the fear of God means awe. It means this thing where I'm sitting again, like, I've got this awe and respect. It's almost like shock and awe. Like he's big and he's huge and I sense it. So it gives me this awe where my jaw drops. I'm like, oh man, like he's huge. There's a respect. I don't trifle with him. I don't play games with him. He's real and he's big and he's strong. And it does something that creates this awe and this respect and this honor. I recognize him as the one true God, the king and ruler of the universe. And it creates all respect and yes, also fear, also trembling saying, man, at any moment, if I was in his presence, I feel like I would just fall apart. I feel like my very being would crumble in front of him because he's that big and that huge and that holy. That's the picture that the Proverbs is saying. If you want to start with wisdom, the start of wisdom is seeing God for who he is and letting it create in your heart a response of awe and respect and fear. That's the start of it. So how does that give me wisdom? But well, look at what that awe and respect and fear do. When you, when you awe and respect God, here's the next step. Turn over to Proverbs chapter three. The next step after you have awe and respect is this. That means if I'm recognizing him as the God, if I'm recognizing him as my God, if I'm recognizing that, then I'm also saying that I trust him and I'm gonna submit to him. It's not just fear cowering in a corner saying he's too scary, it's fear that has a respect that says, oh, listen, you're smarter than me. You're wiser than me. I trust you. I submit to you. You're in charge. I'm not. You're wise. I'm not. You see more than me. You know more than me. You're able to do way more than me. That view causes you to say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean in on you. I'm going to do this. Look what Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 goes. You probably know the first two, but I want to read the last two of that. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I believe fear leads to trust. That's what the Bible is saying. You fear him, you respect him, you're in awe of him. It causes you to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And listen, God, I trust you. You're smarter than me. I would never pick this path for me at all. But I trust you, not me. I trust your wisdom, not my wisdom. I trust your understanding, not my own understanding. I trust you more than I trust myself. Do you hear the humility in that? Verse six, in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. I hope you see this pattern that's happening here. I fear you. That fear causes trust and submission. Say, okay, I'm trusting you with everything more than I even trust myself. My own instincts are off. My own experience, my own wisdom, my own knowledge is not enough. And in everything, I'm going to acknowledge you. You're the one. You're the king. You're in charge. I, you just, I, I, I can't, I don't know. I trust you. You're my God. You handle this in everything. And what does he do when we do that? He will make straight your path, or he'll make, he'll make the path in front of you level. He'll even out all the bumpy roads. He'll, he'll level it out before you. See what he's doing there? 
Listen, if I trust God with all my understanding, I lean into him and say, you will know better than me. I'm going to acknowledge you. And what he's going to do is he's going to make your path straight and level so you can get through the difficulty of it. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Back to fear. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See what he does there? He makes your path level. You have that fear renewed in you. And then here, what does God do? He refreshes me in my trial. Listen, the, the thing that James is saying is we need this type of wisdom. You need a heart in trials and suffering that not as a, that's not a heart of worldly wisdom that says, I know the path to get through this and I'm gonna manipulate it and I'm gonna control it and I'm gonna trust my own methods and my own wisdom. I'm gonna trust my own experience. Or I'm gonna trust the books that I've read or the people that I've talked to. He said, no, you need something even more foundational than that. What you need at the very core of who you are happening deep within when you walk into trials is you need wisdom and a wisdom that says, God, I fear you, and I trust you more than I trust myself, and I'm putting all my hope and all my dependence and all my confidence that you're big, that you're in control, and that you're good, and that you've got this. That's the wisdom that you and I need in trials. Let me flip back, flip back to James, because here's the question I'm asking. Okay, so I need that. How does that wisdom the wisdom that fears God, that leads to respect and submission and trust of God, how does that help me with suffering? That's the question that I'm having for James. It took me forever to get there, but here's the deal. So let me, let me try to answer that before I move on. So how does fearing God and respecting him help me get through my suffering? I'm just gonna give you a few ways I think that happens because I was chewing on it this week. I was trying to meditate on, okay, how do I need that? Just let me think of a few ways it makes sense. I need to convince myself that what I need most is wisdom. Number one, you, need, you and I need wisdom to work through what our heart is doing. Let me rephrase that, say that again. You and I need wisdom from God to work through what our heart is doing when they're suffering. Listen, when trials and suffering come our way, your heart, your heart will have a very strong response. You experienced this before? Like when it gets really intense, there's something emotional that happens in you. Don't believe me? Let me ask you a question. The last time you and your spouse got in a really good fight, any of you feel like you were playing the victim in that moment? That moment, they're so unfair to me. They don't treat me kindly. They always bring this up. They don't look at me with respect. They don't serve me enough. They don't care for me. And they always bring this up over and over. It's not fair. It's not right. I don't like being treated like this. I feel like I'm suffering. And what happened inside of you is you rehearsed that line over and over and over and over again. Was it calm? Was it quiet inside of you? Or was it turmoil and anger and you're fuming on the inside? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, no one here's a sinner. Perfect. Uh, I, no one nods when I ask that question. Do you know what I, I know what I'm talking about. I feel that and I experience that. And then sometimes maybe it doesn't steam on the inside for you. Maybe it comes out right off the bat. It is boom, boom, boom. Like you will throw down with your spouse. You'll throw down with your roommate. You and your parents will get in a fight that is 
of epic proportions, because what's happening in you is it feels like it's not fair. I feel like I'm the victim, like I'm suffering needlessly. And what's going on in your heart in that moment? Your heart, it's so complicated that we can't even sometimes tell what's happening inside of us. I, I joke sometimes with my wife, with some of y'all, I feel like I only have two emotions, angry and hungry. That's all I've got. Uh, I don't think that's true. I have more emotions than that. But the point is, maybe it's because I'm a guy or maybe it's because I'm a knucklehead. I don't know. But half the time, I don't even know the feeling that I'm feeling when things are going on. I can't even identify it. Can you, can you guys, do you understand what I'm saying, guys? Do you know what I'm saying? at all. Like, my wife can find it much faster than me. She knows that she's upset or angry or sad. I'm at a loss. I, I feel something. <laughs> what? I don't know, but it's feelings in here, and it's not good, or it's good. I, I don't even know if I can tell if it's good or bad feelings, right? So I've got this issue with my heart. I can't even identify what I'm feeling in the moment. How do you think I get to that? I need wisdom. I need God's help to identify the feeling. I need God's help to have freedom to express the feeling and not suppress it. It takes wisdom from God to be able to express the things that are going on inside of your heart. It is not wisdom from God to suppress everything, can it up and put on a Christian face on the front of it. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, listen, there's something I'm feeling. I need to identify it. I need to be able to express it clearly and at times, I need to be able to address that feeling whether or not it is based on sinful thinking or unsinful thinking. Do you see what I'm saying? If not, trust me, you need wisdom. What I'm saying is when you get angry at your spouse because of a fight or you get angry at your parents because of a rule that they threw down on you. I'm saying when you get angry at your boss, you get angry at your coworker. I'm using anger because that's the easiest one, I think, for you to understand, anger and hunger. Remember, those are the two I got. But when you feel angry, there's something in your heart, and you need God to be able to recognize it as anger, to be able to express it in a way that's not sinful and work through it, and then determine, am I angry for a just reason, or is this sinful anger? You think you can do that all on your own? Listen, I'm telling you, you can't. You cannot. You need the wisdom of God to be able to help you work through what your heart is doing in suffering. And there's a million other emotions besides anger. It can be fear, it can be anxiety, it can be grieving, it can be joy. You, like, listen, there's a million things happening. I need wisdom from God to be able to understand what's happening in me. The second reason I think I need wisdom, I think I need wisdom from God and suffering for relationships. So listen, it's not just my heart going through suffering, is it? Let me tell you my, my family's situation. If there's suffering in my family, and I'm experiencing something, and my heart is like ramping up. Guess how many other hearts I got in my family ramping up with a situation? Just, just try the stupid mistake in my family of saying, hey, let's go out to eat for dinner. Where do y'all want to go? Even the baby will start crying. I don't even, he doesn't even understand what I said. He's five months old. He's screaming in the car. I got McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, Chipotle. I'm like, good grief, guys. Like, and it turns into this wild turmoil inside my van if I'm ever dumb enough to ask that question. Parents, pro tip, don't ever do that unless you just love suffering, okay? If you want to grow in endurance, ask the question, and then you're going to come in and say, well, fine, I'm deciding. That's what's going to happen. So, uh, but listen, I need wisdom to help my spouse navigate suffering. 
Something's happening in my spouse's heart while it's going on in my heart. I need wisdom to help my kids navigate what's happening if we're going through suffering. But I need, I need wisdom. I need wisdom to deal with the people who come up to me and say the most outlandish things to me. You ever experienced that? They say stuff and you're like, oh, okay, I gotta decide to punch you in the face right now or give you a hug because I needed that rebuke. Like people will come up to you in suffering and they will say stuff. They'll say ridiculous stuff to you and you need wisdom to deal with all the relationships that are happening when you're in the midst of suffering. You need the wisdom of God to work through that. Not just through my heart, but through all the relationships. You know what else I need wisdom of God for? I need wisdom to actually be able to follow God and his plan in the midst of suffering. Because it's not just that my heart is ramping up. It's not just the people around me's hearts are ramping up and we're bouncing off of each other. There's also advice coming my way about how to deal with the problem. There's probably 12 books written on whatever problem you're facing. There's definitely a thousand YouTube videos on whatever problem you're facing. And they all have a different solution. But they say, this is the best solution. There's probably people you can pay to give you an answer to the problem that you're facing. And they will all tell you a different solution. How are you going to differentiate between the right solution that's from God and the other ones that are coming your way. You need wisdom from God. Listen, we need wisdom. You, we are constantly bombarded a million different ways, and we need wisdom. We don't just need it a little bit. You need it desperately. Desperately, we need wisdom. Just, just think about this right now. If you're trying to understand what's happening in the world in front of us, you have almost a million different streams of information coming your way. You've got all the news outlets. You've got all of Twitter. You've got all of Instagram. You've got all of Facebook. You've got all your friends. And they all have an agenda of what they want you to think is happening. How in the world are you and I supposed to actually understand what's happening in the world around us? How? We need wisdom of God. I want you to feel this desperate need inside of you that you are desperately in need of wisdom from God just to get through daily life and all the things that are coming your way. You and I need it. And here's the good news. God is determined to give it to us. Did you see that there in those verses? We're desperate in need of wisdom for all of life, especially in suffering. And God has determined that he wants to give us wisdom. Look at verses five and six. It says this, verse five says, if you lack wisdom, what am I supposed to do? It doesn't say to read a book. doesn't say to find a pastor. It says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. This is powerful, you guys. Like, it's not just that we're desperately in need of wisdom. We serve a God who's determined to generously and lavishly give you and I wisdom, tons and tons and tons of wisdom from him that we don't have. Like, listen, here's what James is doing. I mean, why does James have this view of God? I think most of us don't picture God as patient and generous. I think we picture him as stingy and unsatisfied and distant and removed. And James has a different picture. His picture of a God that is close and generous and loving and is determined to help you and I. How does James get that perspective? Well, here's how I think he gets it. I think his perspective of who God is is shaped on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me explain what I mean. The gospel of Jesus Christ tells us this. 
that God is holy and pure and big and we are deeply broken and weak. And God saw us in our rebellion and our weakness and our brokenness. He saw us, he didn't get angry. He had compassion and he chose to move, move towards us, not in judgment and in wrath, but he moved towards us with the person of Jesus Christ. He said, listen, I want you. I don't want to just beat you down even though you earned every bit of it. I want to invite you into a relationship. So I'm sending Jesus. And he's, he's come here to invite you in, to love you, to bring you in close. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Because God was determined. He was determined to meet us in our need. He sent Jesus to die on the cross. And what is God saying? He says, listen, I want to make you whole. I want to make you, I want to be close to you. I want to be near you. I want to be present in you. He's loving and he's merciful. The reason James is convinced that God will give us wisdom is because God gave us salvation in Jesus. And when that's your perspective of God, if the gospel is true, then he's not distant, he's close. He's not stingy, he's generous. He's not harsh, he's gracious and merciful and kind and loving. Listen, today, here's what I want you to hear, church. I want us to be a people that not only just see our need for wisdom, but we're determined to run to Jesus and ask him for it and be confident that he will give you exactly what you need. So I'm gonna take a moment. I'm gonna guide us in a time of response here in a minute. And here's what I'm gonna give you a moment to do. Some of you right now, you, you are in the midst of suffering and you need wisdom. Listen, I want you to take a moment to pray and ask God for it. Some of you have viewed God as stingy and harsh. I want you to take a moment to see him as gracious and generous and merciful. Listen, I want you to see God as unbelievably kind and patient with us and that he would generously give us everything we needed. That's the God we serve. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Right there in your seat, I want you to ask God what it is he would have said to you today through his word. and maybe you've been here today and uh, you're in the midst of suffering and you've been trying to solve it all on your own. Would you stop leaning on your own understanding and you just take a moment and just say, hey God, I, I, I trust you. Would you ask him for wisdom from him and not from yourself? Maybe for you, you realize your heart has been running wild with emotion. It's not that the emotion is bad. You just don't know what to do with it. You don't know what it is. You don't know how to address it. You can't tell what's sinful, what's not sinful. Listen, would you ask God to help you sort through what's happening, what's, what's happening with you, what's happening with your spouse, what's happening with your kids? Would you ask God for wisdom on how to talk to your spouse and your kids about it, about the heart issues that's honest and real and authentic? Listen, would you ask him for wisdom and a lot of it? Maybe for you, the one thing that's been going on in your head is you come across this 
you realize that you've learned how to endure suffering without God. And you don't see God as generous, gracious, and close. You see him as distant and stingy and unsatisfied. I just want to encourage you. Would you just, would you confess that to God? You're not seeing him correctly. And would you just simply ask him, hey, God, help me to see your grace and your mercy and your closeness. Let me see your generosity. Give me the wisdom that I need. Finally, for some of you here today, man, you've heard about who God is. Maybe you grew up in church. You've been religious. But when you think about God being so generous that he would send his son to die on a cross for you, and he would say, listen, I don't, even, I don't need you to be good. I don't even need you to be wise. I just need you to ask me to save you and place your trust in what Jesus did. Repent of doing it on your own and ask me to do it for you. Repent of your way and submit to my way. If you would be wondering that, listen, God may be calling you here this morning. You can feel that pull in your heart. You feel that tug of him saying, no, you need to trust me. I want to encourage you, don't resist it. Trust him. In a moment, I'm going to close in prayer. Listen, if you need more time with God, if you need to speak to one of us, at the end of our service, our pastors will be down front. We would love to get a chance to talk to you about whatever God's doing in your heart, whether that's praying for you or sharing the good news with you. Whatever it is, we're here to serve you in that. Don't, don't leave here not following what he said to you in your heart today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we, we admit at times that uh, we're too arrogant to see our need for wisdom. But God, we, we need you. We, we, we need your wisdom, and we need it bad. And God, I pray that we would see you as generous and gracious, that we could run to you, and that you would give us a wisdom that starts with fear and awe and respect and moves to complete trust in you. God, make us wise people. I pray you would pour out on us generously wisdom that would blow our minds. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.